Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. It's a Tuesday. Jay Truitt is locked and loaded. Andrew Henderson is back from a little sabbatical running around the Piedmont region of Italy or something, or went to France or probably went down to Hamas to see what the truth was. Who knows yeah. what he was up to, but he's here now. I'm somewhere I'm maybe, here. I'm maybe <laughs> here. I'm experiencing they, some technical some, difficulties, yeah. guys. So we're just, we're going to do the best we can. All I know is that this morning when I turned my computer on, it took about 45 minutes to do some update thing. And uh, life has been a challenge ever yeah. since for me and Andrew. <laughs> well, you know what? And look at the size of Andrew's shoulders, though. He, they're broad. They're yeah. big, broad yeah. shoulders. Yeah, you know yeah. that he can carry the weight of of whatever <laughs> needs to be done. He's a good man. Thanks, Barry. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, First of all, I, I'd love to have gone to Europe while I wasn't on the uh, um, rural route. Um, but at the end of the day, I haven't been to Europe. But there are there are a lot of things happening here at the moment. Europe is coming to us. I think Trent knows that we've been setting up this uh, business arrangement with the Dutch, uh, which has been extremely made us very busy. It's made me have to change direction of my business to 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 incorporate it. Uh, but I think it's a very, very uh, interesting project that we're working on with the Dutch. And it's frankly, it's totally um, surrounded by the politics of today. It's a it's a decision that the Dutch have made to come into the UK market because they have to. And, um, and it's all to do with the European Union and the World Economic Forum and their quest to short food in Europe. Um so I'm I'm right in the middle of that real story, and I think um, I've tried to explain to Trent that it's taken a lot of my time up, has already, and it will continue to do so. But he's always said to me, the only way we can do this is to uh, regain control locally, and um, for that, I'm locally to me isn't just in Cheshire; it's actually uh, making sure that the food chain throughout Europe survives. Because if it doesn't, yeah. then everybody will suffer. There's too many in the UK. They can't all have a ranch in Nebraska with a thousand or two thousand or three thousand acres because we don't have that land in the UK. We have sixty million people in England alone. Sixty right. million in a in a in an area less than Nebraska. So if that food chain falls down, there's gonna be riots everywhere. And I saw where I saw some some really interesting video uh, uh, somewhere. I think it was uh, just on some one of the social media sites of French farmers that were uh, uh, throwing yeah. hay inside the office of their finance minister, and uh, basically filled his whole front lobby with uh, with uh, with hay. And so it's not well, it's, it's not just the hay. Dutch that are upset. Yeah. It's not. It's not just hay either. They're also uh, the, the, the Spanish are up to it as well. But they're actually right. uh, completely blocking major uh, routes to and from major cities with manure uh, yeah. in a huge way. I mean, I mean, look, that's direct action. 
it's I'm not sure that that's going to get them what they want at the end of it. Um, obviously, you know that the Dutch uh, election, they didn't go for the BBB, you know. The BBB, the Dutch Farmers Group, themselves only got seven seats. What actually happened was the Dutch people went for, and I can't re- pronounce his name, but you can all, Hans Vilma, I think his name was, and what he did is he's really um, very like Nigel Farage. He doesn't want any immigration, believes that if you want to be a Muslim, then you should go and live in a Muslim country. And, um, you know, if, if you want to be a Muslim living in Holland, you abide by the laws of Holland. Now, I don't frankly think that's right wing. I think that's sensible. Um, and so what happened was, all of a sudden, their nation gave him the biggest thumbs up ever. And he is now their potential prime minister. But the, the question is, will he actually get a coalition that will back his policies? Because his policy is to stop immigration altogether unless right. there are people that are required in that country for specific jobs. That's his policy. Yep. No, and you know the funny thing, Andrew, is that uh, everybody thinks that we're uh, we're in uh, we're in a different place in the United States, and you're uh, and the way you describe the available opportunity in the United States, obviously that's true. We have all kinds of space, but right here under our own noses, there's been this. Uh, uh, initially, it was pretty quiet, but now it's it's becoming less quiet of this whole 30 by 30 project, which really becomes 50 by 50. And the goal is to eliminate half of the available land for uh, for us to use for food and, and fiber production, which fiber production is a big part of the U.S. marketplace as well. And, uh, it, uh, you know, you, you, you think you, everybody always thinks it won't happen to me. Uh, I think that's the thing, you know, you think that your your neighbors are smart enough that and the people that you've elected at your local your local parliament or your local Congress or your local uh, state house or whatever, you know, will uh, they're not going to they're not going to do something that stupid. That would be stupid. Why would we why would we want to limit food supplies? Uh, but I, exactly. Yeah. But we've, you know, we've done this before, right? And Europe was a was a testing ground for uh, population controls um, uh, several hundred years ago when they did a revolution in France. And one of the primary objectives in that revolution was to eliminate the people who are unemployed so that they would have the right mix of people and jobs. Uh, they didn't. Nobody ever thought that, oh, wait, let's create more jobs. That would have been the logical no. solution, right? Or let's no. let's put That's these right. people to work doing something. Instead, the, the the one of the goals in that revolution, which I understand there were several objectives there, but one of them, their stated goals, it wasn't like it was something quiet, was that they knew that they needed to get rid of about two million people. And 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 you just sit there and you think to yourself, I, I I'm not for sure that I can ever trust a world leader that one of their goals is uh, something like uh, Pot or uh, Mao or somebody like that would have that the real goal here is just to get rid of people that are uh, that are that are currently unemployed by killing them mm-hmm. or letting them starve to death. But both and you guys, out from also, there. 
both both you guys know that I've been on this bandwagon of 30 by 30 since March the 9th. Uh, it was sure. less than 40 days after it was signed. And I've right. personally spoken in 42 states about 30 by 30. That parlayed into the whole discussion about conservation easements and what's happening with the CO2 pipeline. And had I not had technical problems this morning, I would have told Andrew that what we had happen last night, for those that may not know, we had a meeting in Neely, Nebraska, Antelope County, Nebraska. It's north central Nebraska. We had a great crowd. Uh, Antelope County is... Uh, proposing to pass and permit the Summit Carbon Solutions CO2 pipeline. We have another natural gas pipeline in the state that's been operating that they are petitioning to transfer over to CO2. And guys, it, the best part about last night's meeting with the Free Soil Coalition making a great presentation, which, by the way, you can watch the entire thing on Rumble. It's two hours long. But the absolute best thing that happened was we had a large number, a handful, I'm going to say not, not six, but up to five individuals who came to this meeting and they said, we signed this thing early on. We didn't realize what it was. We need help getting out of it. And yeah. we have not had okay. that happen until now. And it kind of speaks to your point, Jay, that the people are beginning to say, hey, this land grab is a real deal. What do I do about it? And now I've talked listen, long enough that I have to go to the break, and then yep. we will pick it up, and Jay Truett will say, hey, listen, when we come back with more Raw Routes, Andrew Henderson, Trent Luce, Jay Truett, more after this. Well, in today's world, many people are talking about nitric oxide as a part of healthy living, but Dr. Nathan Bryan steps in here because... How do we know the difference between one nitric oxide supplement and another one, Nathan? Well, there's several things you look for. Is the people that are that are formulated or backing that product ever published a paper in the nitric oxide literature? Do they know anything about the basic enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide? Because here's what people do. Put a lot of ingredients in a bag or in a capsule and call it nitric oxide. You have to understand how the human body makes nitric oxide. You got to understand what goes wrong in people that can't make it. And then you got to pro provide product technology that actually fixes the reason you can't make nitric oxide. If you're low in testosterone, you don't give precursors or things because you've lost the ability to produce testosterone. What do you do? You actually give the actual molecules. Same thing with women with hormone replacement. Full details and order the product at no2u.com. That's no, number two, letter u.com. Put Trent as your coupon code and I pay the shipping. Wait a minute, that's not good. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside Jay Truett coming to us from you want to be in Missouri or Texas today? I'm in Texas today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and so we Anderson, can be in Texas. Cheshire Plains. All right. I, I, listen, my the, the, the point. The the listen, Trent, the the point I wanted to make really just real brief and, and quick, and it is for the people that do come around, for the political figures that come that come around and realize what they've done here, everyone needs to cut them some slack. Um the the this stuff was written pretty craftily and it was sold really slick and they had a they had a great pitch coming out that we're going to do things that are good for the environment and we're not going to affect this and we're not going to we're not going to harm anything and this is just going to be good for all of us um and so maybe they maybe they were a little bit gullible in the beginning but they were getting this from a really high level pitch and 
everybody needs to cut those people some slack. And my experience is, as a as a lobbyist, is that sometimes the converts are your best allies when it okay, when it really gets down you, to Jay, it because, because they paid arguing, attention. I'm not arguing with your logic here, but uh -huh. I want to make sure everybody understands. I was talking about landowners that have already signed up four conservation yeah. easements and have now decided, whoops, we screwed up. I wasn't talking about policymakers yeah. in my yeah. context. No, but it was very clear what you said, Trent, but can I yeah. just, I've listened to what you've said, Jay, and I want to just throw a bit of a spanner into what you're saying. Not, 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 I'm not disagreeing with what you've said, but I'll tell you what worries me more than anything about this. I've had people, and Trent knows this is true now, that have come forward to me because they've got a deal on the table and they know that it would, it would make them financially secure for the rest of their lives. Now, what they're saying to me is they know it would be wrong for them to sign this deal, but in their, in their mind, they believe that the majority of farmers will be signing this because... I mean, our own government has put so much money towards this. It's frightening. And it's our money. And it's not publicized. So uh, there is part of me that says, Trent, if you've got five people that turned up in that way, wow, big kudos to them. But how many people have actually signed? Because that's the worrying bit about this. That is the really worrying bit. Because, you know, in this country, it's making the millionaires. The data is very stark on the percentage of wealthy people that got even more wealthy in the past three years since January of 2020 compared to the people who have become struck, went into poverty. To be, I mean, let's face it, gone into poverty. Yeah. That disparagement yeah. between the first upper class and the lower class and the people in the middle class who went to the lower class, nobody's talking about that, guys. Well, they are here, actually, Trent. That was a major news story last night on the BBC. And I, I, I was astounded because, you see, anybody with half a brain knows that when Labour get in, that's going to be our Democrats. That's even going to get worse because they've got the same policies, but worse in terms of how much they're prepared to borrow and spend their way out of things. And um, so everybody knows that COVID is a massive, massive way of taking from the poor and giving to the rich. That's what it was. It was a fantastic way of moving wealth from from the, the from the have-nots to the haves. Because look at the PPE uh, uh, contracts. Look at the vaccine con. All of the money went to those people with money who invested in those areas, knowing that that's what was going to happen. Why do you think the BBC is talking about that now, Andrew? The BBC, because they want people to vote for, the, for our Democrats' Labour, they think people are actually thick, that they'll think that Labour represent the people, so they will, will help get them out of it. That, that's the, the idea is that they'll make the play Say what the say what's happened between the rich and the poor, 
uh, even though the leader of the Labour Party is there at Davos or at COP28 in, in the UAE, even though he's telling everybody he's going to spend more money and borrow more money, the BBC think people are that stupid that it's Labour that will fix this. So they actually are showing that they completely think that the mm. people of this country are, frankly, idiots. They Man. believe that we're all idiots. I don't buy that sort of motivation. That's, that's what they do. That's why they're doing it. Right. Their motivation is always driven well, by the, the sponsors who owns them, some other agenda. It's not what's best for the people. You're, you're making it sound like they actually care what's good for the people. No, 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 no. You, you've misunderstood me. I, I agree with you 100%. It's the people, they're taking that view. They, they, they've portrayed the Labour Party, the same as the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, if you if you, if you you listen to the rhetoric, not what they do, but what they say, they're for the working people. The fact that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer is irrelevant. The, the rhetoric is that if you vote Democrat, they're going to support the working man. Okay, but it's the opposite of that. It's the same with Labour. So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that they're doing it because they want people to believe it's the right thing to do. I say they're doing it because they, they think they've used enough propaganda to make people believe that's what the Labour Party is going to do. They know they're not going to do it, but they believe that basically the people of our country are thick mm -hmm. and they won't work it out. That's the truth. It's that they, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their own heart. They actually think that you tell somebody se something seven times, they'll believe it. And that they think that it's in the bag. These people will vote Labour now, even though it's obvious that the party that's been in power, Trent, the party that's been in power, took down their manifesto because they haven't achieved one thing they promised to do. One thing. Everything they've done has been socialist. It hasn't been conservative or Republican, as you would put it. And actually, I'm going to, put the same point to you you know what i've listened to Rand paul i've listened listened to all of the car i know it's it's the federal government but actually they've not done anything have they no. they've actually not done anything no nothing to stop the biden administration it's the same thing they've done absolutely zero they've talked about possible impeachments possible this possible that they've revealed all the information but they've done diddly squat is that not true? No, Jay, son, you're, Jay, you're muted. I don't know what's going on. We're not hearing you. I see your lips moving. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's completely true. It's a hundred percent true, and it's uh, undeniable at this point that um, we yeah. we've we've allowed we've we've allowed the media worldwide. I mean, I don't get to see everything in other countries, uh, and don't have as much exposure probably as what Andrew does to to some foreign media, but. Um, the reality is, is that um, we we've allowed the media to become uh, the political uh, mouthpiece on both on both sides of the aisle to a certain degree. And what the media loves more than anything is just for us to talk and, yeah. and to talk about things, even when it's in opposition, not to actually do anything um, and, and not to actually respond, not to actually act. Uh, because their uh, their ratings skyrocket with divisiveness, and so um, uh, we're we're back to almost like a, a 
we need to be in a in a biblical uh, a biblical mindset here when we uh, try to 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 discern what the facts are, and it takes fewer words to describe that than what you think. So I'll yeah, say fewer I, words. I, well, but you, but we're all picking up the same thing. And I did. I, I wish I'd uh, sent this for the show. I'll do it tomorrow. But I've taken a um, a, a slide from uh, something on, on on social media that that shows the map of the world's media at this moment in time. And you know, we've said it before. It basically is run by six co companies worldwide. And when you look at that control, it's not surprising that they can they can decide whether it's conservative or Labour or Democrat or Republican who's actually in power at any one time. And I think Trent's been absolutely right. That may well have been going on for a long time, 50 years maybe. Um, but what is very obvious now, which is different, is that we used to get... If, Andrew, if the we'll pick it up with we used to get when yeah. we get back in the second half. We'll roll out right after this. Well, planning and preparation is really coming together now. The National Western is just, well, like 30 days away. Not even. We're right at it. January 6th is going to be a monumental day with the historic bread female sale that's going to take place. The All-American Beef Battalion will be feeding veterans as well as anybody else coming to attend. There are two panel discussions scheduled for this day. Jim Odell is going to be making a presentation. This is going to be the old commercial cattle field that I've been talking about at the National Western. But here's the thing. I get focused on that day, which is ultimately the first day. Every single day, there's something taking place at the National Western that you and your family want to be a part of. Get the schedule at nationalwestern.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt. I had to interrupt Andrew before went to break. During break, I called Kelly. She said, tell Andrew you did a great job today when Trent bailed on you. Yep. So you have Kelly's, you have Kelly's <laughs> kudos, Andrew. Well, that makes me realize how good you are because um, I I was rattled there, Trent, because I didn't expect it. And I didn't, um, I went, I went, I went ranting on, but I did find it very, very difficult. I'm not going to deny it. I was not, if I'd known it was going to happen. Yeah, I know. It's I different. When you know you're going to be so low, it's different. All right. Before we went to the break, I had to interrupt you. You were going to say, "Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say." So I'm not going to say yeah. yeah, no. I, so the dis, I, I, but the the discussion, the discuss, the discussion though, and and I think he was getting ready to make some really valid points about the fact that we've just kind of been punked by the media for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, at some point, the light saying. comes on. Yeah, you know, six media yeah. companies uh, in the world. Real, Andrew. People realize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six media companies in the world, and uh, at some stage, um, you realize that you're being had. And I think what happens is when you start to see whistleblowers um, coming from all sorts of countries about what's actually happening with the vaccines, um, it, they are now at the point where they're that you know once there's one. Uh, whistleblower comes out of a, 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 a bottle, another one comes out and you can see the media trying to bat them all down and they just, they've just they've lost control of it. So um, that's that's really gratifying because it's now 
out there that they're trying, their they're aim to control the information is not working anymore. That's how I see it. And um, that's why when, when you see the BBC supporting um, uh, what's happening in, the, in terms of the, of the economy and trying to say that the Conservatives are responsible for that, knowing that it's only going to be the same thing. It's all to do with unfettered immigration to create division, to cause mayhem and confusion and basically uh, acts of tyranny. That's what the, the game plan is. And I've got a feeling it isn't going to work. I have a feeling it's not going to work. I don't think people are going to fight each other in the way that they want us to. I, you know, my my big concern is uh, is the uh, is one that I've had for a long time, and yeah. uh, and that is that uh, we've become a society almost worldwide where we try to we we want to feel good instead of we want to be correct, and there's a lot of discussions that we have in agriculture. Um, um, uh, about structure of our of our systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and there are things that a lot of us want to feel. There's things that we want to feel. And there's thing. There's a way that we want it to be, and so as long as somebody will tell us that that if we want to keep it that way, this is what you got to do, and it always involves the government helping us, or the government managing us, or the government controlling us, then. Then you're going to get to you're going to you don't have to expand your operation to to be more economically viable. You don't have to uh, adopt a new technology if you don't want to, or you can adopt a new technology uh, because that's the only way you're going to be able to keep your operation. And and we've seemed to have lost our ability to actually just have rational, logical thought and to to look at the. Our, our environment and be truly objective about what we what it is that we see we the 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 whole world got punked uh, a little bit or or fooled however you want to refer to it um over marketing labels were going to solve all of our problems right well what did we do we just contrived the marketing labels to say what we wanted them to say you know and so we differentiated our market yeah. and we twisted and consumers and we've made con we agriculture this is our fault we did this people in the food business trained consumers to seek out all this differentiation and ignore what they were actually tasting or what they were actually consuming we've had this discussion about true cheddar cheese versus all the fake cheddar uh, cheese in the no, world that's right not, that's not a discussion anymore you know that. No, <laughs> no, right. I mean, it's no, not. No, but the, to, the to Jay's is, point, it's only I, a small I, group that knows the difference, Andrew. That's I, I take that wholeheartedly. Yeah. 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 And and, but, and we, know, we fell Andrew, for it, guys. We fell no, for it actually, first, and then we yeah. we helped support the, the, the mass, the mass media confluence that oh we have to do organic, we have to do all natural. You're, and then if right. you look at the definitions of those things, it's just nonsense. And also, it really is. What they did was, it wasn't, they didn't say, well, we've got um, uh, organic cheese or organic milk. What actually happened, they, what were the criteria? And then everybody was trying to work out how they could yeah. satisfy the 
criteria um, at the least cost. Yep. It wasn't anything to do with what it was actually bringing to the market. And you know what? I totally agree with everything you've said there, Jay. And, I, and we are to blame for that. Yeah. And um, it's like, you know, if we're going to bring something into the marketplace, and I'm going to, like, Trent got very excited about my um, selenium milk. I'm very excited about um, right. Piedmontese meat and the myostatin gene because potentially those two products can deliver not just a great product, but a really healthy result for the population. Absolutely. Now, that, to me, that's real marketing for the right reasons. But then there's going to be 50 other Me Too products that try and say something yep. very similar without the real background to actually do that. And that's what I'm, I've seen. Now, I, I, you've brought up something that I want to talk about because, and then we'll both, well, all three of us, I think we'll have a, it's, it's to, to the heart of what Trent believes in. And I, I, this is where I do believe he's on something hugely powerful. Yesterday, I had a consultant come to see me for a meeting. Well, we met them at, at, a, at a mutual place. And this consultant was telling me how much money was available to give farmers a free, free carbon audit. Now, you know, my already my hackles were up because I was thinking, okay, so how much money are the farmers going to get? And then, and he showed me, and this guy knew everything about how to do a carbon audit. And the one thing that he hooked me on, which I liked, was that actually if farmers do this, it's nothing to, and by the way, this is nothing to do with the fact that they're reducing carbon. If they make these efficiencies on the farm, which, and I'll give you an example, if they grow their animals quicker, if they um, if they put them in the dairy herd quicker, all those things will reduce their carbon footprint, but they'll actually earn more money. Now, I'm not interested in the carbon footprint. I'm interested in the fact that doing that, that actual uh, uh, project would actually earn some of my customers more money because some of those practical changes are the right thing to do. Now, uh -huh. the reason I'm bringing this up is this. So we got to the point where how do they value the carbon output of a cow, right? And they basically, it's, a, it's well, it's, as you would imagine, it's a calculation that there's no sequestration involved. It's all about emissions. And the calculation is with regards to the amount of carbon the farm uses divided by the number of litres. I said, hold on, who decided that? Ah, that was Tesco. I said, hold right. on, what do you mean it was Tesco? Well, Tesco decided if they make it per litre, then and they make it 1.1 kilo, 1.15 kilos of carbon is, you know, as low as you can get it per litre, then if you can get down to that ratio, then, you know, you're very efficient. And I said, hold on a minute. So what happens to the guy that produces a lot more milk and but his his he can get his carbon down to one one kilo of per liter, but he's actually producing 25% more liters. So his carbon that he's emitting into the atmosphere is potentially 20% more than the so-called good figure per liter. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That yep, you, absolutely. You get it down to <laughs> per liter at one. So you've got a guy with really high output with a much more efficient animal producing more milk per kilo of carbon 
but actually he's emitting far more carbon into the atmosphere. And I, uh, do you know what the guy said to me? Yeah, but that's that's how we can use this for marketing. Yeah. So I said, so it's nothing to do with climate change, then. Yeah. Said, oh, oh no, we all we all oh no, we all know that. He said. Now, so do you know how much money the government's given for this scheme? Six hundred million. Now, and I looked at this and I thought, oh my god, this is nothing to do with. This is all to do with giving money away. Yeah. And control. control. You don't it, just give well, money away. You give money part, away to have yeah. control. I, I, I would bet. Yeah. I would bet. Okay. I would almost bet six hundred billion that the real goal from the government standpoint is to be able to get that database put together so that they can do something else with it later oh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, uh, that, and that was the other thing. I, uh, that's absolutely, definitely true, and it, it's actually very cheap. Because it works out on that particular, uh, because I think there's a hundred thousand holdings. It's very cheap because it works out at something like fifteen hundred pounds per yeah. holding, which is a very. You, but you get all the data all of for that. It. Yeah, it's like doing a, a census, but plus plus plus. Yeah, on every land producer in the country, food producer in the country. So I, I'm totally with you. It's it's money well spent, but it's our money. Yeah. yeah, but no, Andrew, you and I cannot bet I, six hundred million because we don't possess six hundred million. Only Jay Truett can say I would be willing to bet six hundred yeah. million, and yeah, we will pick yeah, it up yeah. with our last segment yeah. of Roll Route right after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back in three, two. Can I do this? What? I want to remind you about pest control. That's what I'm talking about when I say Apache sprayers and the technology that comes along with spraying a field using the least amount of chemical possible to get the biggest impact. That is what pest control is all about. Two entities that have partnered up to bring you this information, this innovation, this reliability, this technology, this service, second to none. Simpson Farm Enterprises, based in Hayes, Kansas, but all throughout the central Great Plains of America into Colorado. Also, High Plains Apache covering the northern tier of the Great Plains of America. Get more details about all of the information, the innovation, the new braking mechanism, whatever that means. Call Simpsons and find out. Simpsonfarm.com, Simpsonfarm.com, or get a hold of the folks at High Plains Apache. Both of them are accessible on the web. HighPlainsApache.com, SimpsonFarm.com. Just call and say, hey, Trent said you guys are good to talk to. I don't have a question, but if I had an Apache machine, what would we talk about? Welcome back. Roll route to the program. Connecting food producer to food consumer, Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt. Sorry, Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt. I got a big story here I'm sitting on for 10 minutes. I just think that if... Go okay, ahead. You've got it after I make this comment. Inflation must be a lot worse than I thought because, you know, in the 1970s, America had the $6 million man. Now we've got the $600 million man. <laughs> no, see, there? I didn't... So first of all, first of all, you got to understand I'm in Texas today, so we can trade in pesos or dollars. 600 million pesos is nowhere near as much as 600 million dollars. Yeah. So, fit the narrative. Fit the narrative. Anyway, 
Yeah. All well, right. So yeah. you guys, story, you guys walked me right into what I did yesterday as well. And before I went to the Free Soil Coalition meeting in Antelope County, I went to Seward, Nebraska. And the reason I went to Seward is because certified Piedmontese have some grandparent mother cows there that have been part of the ET program. And three individuals from Los Angeles that are filmmakers flew to Nebraska because they want to get the real story on what the impact of cattle to the climate crisis is and every everything they asked me about, including why would anybody feed corn to cattle because that just creates this diabetic issue. First of all, cows don't live long enough to be diabetics. And, and secondly, Every one of the, the narratives, I mean, it was a discussion about cows' impact on the climate. It was a, a discussion about why would you feed any grain to cattle when they're ruminants and they're designed to eat grass. And I said, you know, even in the grain-fed oh. beef sector, 75% of the total diet of that animal came from a cellulosic consumption of grass or forages or forbs or whatever the case may be. And what he was really shocked by, right. uh, by the way, yeah. I need to mention that this guy is, uh, he's a carnivore, he's completely on our side, he's a filmmaker, and he's trying to do this to dispel myths. But he was right. wonderful at playing devil's advocate to get me to all of these key components. But you know what I got to thinking, and and. and this is what we know, but we don't really ever say out loud until today because we both of you have brought it up already. Every myth that exists about the difference between grass-fed, grain-fed beef, about cows and climate, about CAFOs, about factory farming, it all started with agriculture. It's somebody trying to get a leg yeah, up over no, their neighbor. Yeah, that's my point. In, in saying that, well, our cattle yeah. are free ranging instead of in a feed yard. We take the available resources, so they're better. We generate as much consumable product as we possibly yeah. can, and then we move forward. And it was the marketing between one and another within the agricultural sector that fed all of these adversaries to come after us. Absolutely, yeah. amen. I, it, I mean, it, it, literally, it, it, it is. But it, it's but our, it's we are weird. our own worst Hold enemy. Hold on, Jay, go first. No, we are, we are our also, enemy. We are, but we, but also that diversity is what sustains our market as well. You know, that, innov that innovation to produce new products is, is our lifeblood as well, guys. So we can't not have new products from agriculture. It's, it's, it's not about the new products, Andrew. It's about the no. people who try to no, manipulate about that. their marketing to be different than their neighbors. Yeah. Now, yeah, listen here. So listen, listen, I can give you, I can give you a, a, a thousand examples, but let's make this really simple. So the, the reality is what Trent said is so correct. It's not even funny. And Excuse you know, me. I when have you the get ability to, to use it, that, find that quote out of context any place I want to, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Any any time you want. You can make it your ringtone from now on. Yeah, I Trent can make correct. that my ringtone. Okay, I can good. tell you why. <laughs> Call 202, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. No. So the, the, the what what happened, what happened, though, what what really kind of started this off was, as Trent said, some of the organic and all natural stuff. And people weren't getting the market acceptance that they wanted, so they went to the government to help them. Yeah, Big and I, I, I and, and the government said, "Okay, yeah, let's do this labeling." And then marketing people, I've uh, listen. Everybody that listens to the show knows that at one point I worked for the National Cattlemen, and uh, we had marketing people that 
just besieged us coming to us, talking to us about how we can differentiate the market and we're going to be able yeah. to get a premium for this and a premium for that, and a premium for this. And some of it is some of it tastes better. I have my own personal taste preferences on what kind of product I like, right, to consume myself. Some days I like a good old corn-fed ribeye. Some days I actually do like a pasture-raised um, uh, animal, et cetera, et cetera. But the, re but the reality is, is I don't need the government to tell me the differences between those things. I just need to be able to understand them myself. You can look at the product and basically tell the difference, honestly. And so why, why did we do it? Because it was a shortcut to a buck. And we, uh, the media played us all the way through it. And then they figured out that, that, we, were, that we, were, we were game to go. And so they went. Yeah. And uh, we followed. We did the same. We're doing the same thing on conservation uh, programs. Right. We've done Amen. the same thing. I, I'm, a, I'm also a lifetime. I'm also a lifetime NRA member. I'm a Patriot level uh, NRA member. And so I defend the Second Amendment just as aggressively as I defend the first. But the, the reality is here is that we let the hook and bullet crowd um, uh, talk us into setting aside a bunch of land just for their entertainment that should have been in productive agriculture. And we should have figured out ways to actually do those things together as well. That's a and great point. That's it a was great just point. wrong. It was wrong on all of our parts to do that. And so, uh, and, and now climate is the latest thing to like kind of beat us around. You know, we're going to sell out for a carbon credit that uh, five years from now will be used as a whip. Literally, you know what? A whip. Just on that, yeah, it's not just that. What's really scary is they're already selling those carbon credits between each other now. And, and you know what? Who owns them? Because that's the other thing, that there's different processes. I learned yesterday that a farmer's milk, his carbon credit can belong to the dairy. Did you know this? But it's different for a crop. The farmer owns the carbon credit for the crop. He doesn't own the carbon credit for the milk. How come? I'm asking the question. People need to ask a lot of questions here because who's decided who's got the ownership of these credits? Well, that's ridiculous. I want to give yeah. credit to Doug Hall, who last night, Antelope County Free Soil Coalition meeting, he raised a question. He said, how come nobody's talking about the carbon credit? It's a tax credit. The everyday working man doesn't need a tax credit. Who's getting advantage of these tax credits? The 1% no. wealthy people that we're talking about that are the contributors yeah. to all problems in the world. We're just feeding, aiding, and abetting more division yeah. of wealth by feeding into a tax credit situation. And that, at the end of the day, is the end of the story. Yeah. I, I, well, actually, it is. And that's exactly where we should end this, because that's the argument, isn't it? So who decides what the credit is? And who decides who controls the credit? Because that's the thing. It's nothing to do with it. what... You know, when, when Bill said, Bill Gates says, I can offset my credits, what's he actually saying? It, that yeah. climate change doesn't, doesn't exist? Because right. it's like uh, you can pay to change the climate? Is that what you're saying? Because you can't. It's ridiculous, isn't Agreed. it? Agreed. You actually think about the whole concept. You cannot pay to change the climate. We're... Why aren't they saying that 
as of 2035, all private planes will be grounded forever. Why aren't they saying that? They're saying that about diesel cars. Why aren't they saying it about private planes? Yeah. Because they I, You know, it really is so pathetic. Well, and they'll yeah, probably get a waiver. They'll get a waiver somewhere inside the system because they'll have enough carbon credits that they can still fly <laughs> around the globe. Trust me, I, they've already got well, a waiver. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I think, again, I think those of us in agriculture, that it really is time for us to take stock and just stand, stand back for a second here. Yeah. Stop yeah. for a second. And really realize what it is that we're that we're actually buying into uh, in this process, and sometimes what we're asking somebody to do, and why. Um, and and again, that that in no way, no shape, no form, is me saying that I think that we shouldn't embrace all the technology that is out there. I I couldn't oh, disagree yeah. more. I think there's marvelous technology. Um, that is available to agriculture today and we need to look for it underneath every rock and and uh, and uh, and stone that we can find to turn over but with that said the, the the reality here is that we have created this adversarial marketplace for us because of things that we asked for and and that doesn't yeah. matter whether if you're in the cattle business in the United States, this may not make sense to you, Andrew, but it doesn't matter if you're an RCAF supporter or an NCBA supporter or a U.S. cattleman supporter. Think about what it is that you're actually asking to accomplish and who asked you to ask for that and why. That's the question. Who's really going to benefit from the changes that you that you're seeking in the marketplace and and that the differentiation that you want? And and it is a, I mean, there are some things that are facts that we know. Trent just talked about one of them. You know that if there are certain genes that are in an animal, that the product is going to be tender. That's not really a question. We also know that fat tastes better than meat when they're blended together in the right proportions, right? And it makes it, the flavor is just better. We also know yeah. all kinds of things, but consumers don't know that stuff. And we do need to figure out how to communicate with consumers in a way, though, that doesn't denigrate all the rest of the product, uh, just to, and, and certainly not at, with a hammer of the government being our tool that we denigrate the, the other producer's product. Because well, that's exactly what tried to, has been has been going on. Thirty and seconds. It's bad. It's a bad, seconds. bad, bad thing. And with that, I have to say that we've successfully journeyed down the path connecting food producers to food consumers. For Andrew Henderson, J. Tritt, I'm Trent Loose. All roads do lead to a rural route. Speaking of all roads leading to a rural route, Bertrand, Nebraska is about as rural as you can get. The Cross Diamond Cattle Sale is coming up now less than a week away. It is on Monday, November the 11th. Whoa, where did that come from? We're into December, Trent. Okay, a whole month just went away without participating. December the 11th. And December the 10th, the All-American Beef Battalion will be feeding at the Customer Appreciation and uh, will become rottering. Battleship, if you want to call it that. That's what I would call it, particularly at the Fords. Nobody with more of a centered life around Jesus than the Fords. CrossDiamondCattle.com. Get more details and a sale catalog. See you in Bertrand next Monday.